0: Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circus Sports Iowa app today. Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's time for a new episode of Football and Random Things. Jeff Woody is on a work trip to Georgia This week, So he will not be joining us. Instead, we're joined by Cyclone Fanatic football analyst Jay Jordan. Obviously, Jay bringing his expertise as he always does, whether he's on the podcast or in writing form. I think you guys will really enjoy this. I will tell you, too, the podcast uh, audio quality is better on, you know, in the actual interview I do with Jay. I told Jay that I was going to record an intro to the podcast after we got done with the pod. And then I left our office without doing that. So now I'm trying to record this on my computer uh, in order to get this guy this out for you guys uh, so that you guys can uh, enjoy all of Jay's analysis and and get your fix of, of some football and random things. So we will take a real quick break and then we will have Jay Jordan join us here on the Cyclone Fanatic podcast from the Carl Chevrolet Studios in Ankeny. We're joined now on the Cyclone Fanatic podcast by Cyclone Fanatic football analyst Jay Jordan. Last week he was on CyHawk Reaction on 1460 Kicks. You know, he got to talk to a guy who lost the Heisman Trophy to Bo Jackson, and now he's talking to me. So a little bit of a fall from grace, Jay.
1: (laughs) Not so much, not so much, although that was an exciting opportunity uh, Chris and Ross gave me. Uh, it It was fun and a good conversation, I thought.
0: Yeah, definitely. You did a a really good job, and uh, that that show is always fun to listen to. You brought a lot to the table, but uh, we're going to go over Iowa State's 34-24 win over Texas Tech on Saturday in Lubbock. Let's start with the offense, man, and I I mean, I think that, you know, especially in the first half of that game, you got to feel really good about what the Cyclones were able to do. I think Brock had something like 305 yards of passing just in the in the first half uh hit a little bit of a wall there in the second half but um you know overall they have to be pretty pleased with what they were able to do in the first half of the game for sure
1: yeah for sure um i don't know if anyone else was surprised Uh, i was a little bit uh strong strong tendency towards uh towards passing uh i thought that given some of matt campbell's conservative tendencies that that they might run the ball a little bit more in that first half uh, or try to establish that and control the clock, but they came out very aggressively in the past game and uh, made made Texas Tech pay for some risks that they were taking. I'm not sure Tech didn't think that they were going to come out and run the ball a little more liberally than what they did, and uh, that contributed to Iowa State's success.
0: So what do you think it is that um, has a, that allowed Iowa State to have some of the success that they did you know, throwing the ball over the top. How much of that is uh, is is Texas Tech? How much of that is Iowa State? Um, because I think that they did a really nice job of being able to to kind of soften some things up where you saw them throwing Deshante some of those screens and, and then even some slants and stuff like that to Tariq Milton and then able to hit over the top where I know Charlie Kohler got one and, uh, you know, and then Tariq obviously hit on one as well.
1: Yeah, well, I haven't studied Texas Tech closely enough to understand exactly what their secondary issue is. Uh, I know at least from a fundamental standpoint, they have a difficult time tackling in space down the field. Uh, Something that Iowa state excels at uh, and has improved in this season. Uh, Texas tech really struggles when, when you get the ball in space and can complete a ball there. I'm not sure if their kids are just not quite dialed in yet on the new coverage scheme, or if there's just some um, you know, just some struggles that, that the players are having there. But, but Iowa State broke tendency a little bit by opening it up, Brock throwing the ball 30 to 35 yards down the field, um, not something that we've seen a ton of. In fact, half the games leading up to that, he barely threw the ball 15 yards down the field. Uh, for the entirety of the game. So, so we just haven't seen seen Iowa State go over the top uh, very often. And if you're queued in to play a certain type of game and then another game presents itself, sometimes it takes t- some time to pivot. That's why you had uh, you know the liberal open liberal amount of open receivers uh, deep or in that, that mid to deep range in the first half and then you saw the coverage tighten up and Brock struggle and Iowa State struggle a little bit in the passing game in the second half at late in the second quarter. So um, I think that breaking of tendency that Iowa State did offensively, which is excellent coordinating uh, and um, really an excellent job by the staff in recognizing that and taking advantage of it, and then a season-long problem for Texas Tech, which uh, which is giving up large explosion plays. To give it up the most in the conference, and nothing, nothing changed um, as Iowa State lived and died with those big plays.
0: Absolutely, I mean, uh, you know, I'm looking at the statistics right now and average 16.4 yards per completion, which, you know, I I don't know that this statistic has even been tracked, but I, I would guess that that's probably pretty close to uh, the highest number that Iowa State has had if not ever in a very, very long time. I mean, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty dang good, especially when you compare it to the fact that Texas Tech completed six, uh, their, their average yards per completion was six yards. So a full 10 yards better than what Texas Tech was.
1: Right. Um Different philosophy of defense, but also that number is comparable to your top off- offenses in the country, top in the conference, Oklahoma. That that's that's where they get um, a lot of bang, and they they probably exceed that number in some games, but but that's that's what it was comparable to, and obviously not something we had seen yet this year. Though the offense has been very productive, that type of stretch, vertical stretch in the passing game, had not been seen. I don't know if it'll be seen for the rest of the year. Uh, but the fact that, that they were able to do it and did it effectively, um, I think was, was really important for the team moving forward. But also what we saw was, a we've, we've always seen an, an equal distribution of the ball. Brock is, we, we had the one game where, um, Jones had 10 plus catches and everybody else had one, you know, nine other guys had one, um, this was really the first game where you saw death by a thousand cuts mm-hmm. with all the different weapons at Brock's disposal. Uh, Sean Shaw drew a pass interference and caught a really nice 17-yard uh, catch down the middle as a complimentary guy. We saw Kohler, uh, or we saw Sainer. Didn't Sainer get like a 14 or 19-yard uh, yeah. gain on a little seam route?
0: Yeah, 19 uh, yards. And then had
1: another. He had another one that was going to pop for a big play, and Brock just missed him, uh, where he was wide open. Um, we saw Charlie have three really nice catches in succession there. Tariq hit on big plays. Deshante was Deshante. Did his thing on the underneath. Uh, Petway did what he did, which is be physical, uh, running across in those middle routes, uh, and even on the outside a little bit. Uh, we saw Brees involved in the passing game uh, to a significant uh well, he had a significant play, but he was a significant outlet um, for, um, for Purdy. So every single player that we've identified is, well, if you cover this guy, we can get to that guy. And if you cover that guy, we can get to this guy. We saw and more equal distribution. I think it was like seven, four, four, three, three, three for the top six mm-hmm. producers. Uh, and good news is most of those guys are coming back.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that – You know, as you you talk about that, the thing that really sticks out to me the most is it's just, you know, in past years where you've got the one guy or or two guys who are are really good, but they each kind of do, you know, one thing that, or like they, you know, they kind of are asked to do just about everything. Where you think about Allen, you know, you're throwing the ball down the field to him, but then you're trying to throw it to him at the sticks and stuff like that. Or even, you know, Hakeem, it was a a lot of the the same kind of stuff. Uh, But with this team, it's like you, You feel like Tariq is kind of emerging as as your guy who you can, you know, really rely on to throw it the ball down the field to him. You can throw it to him short as well, but it seems like more often than not, that's really where he's making his hay. Uh Petway can kind of be your uh your you know, your jack of all trades. Like run to the sticks and we'll throw it to you and you'll and if you can make a play from there, then you know, go and make something happen. Charlie's I think a lot of a lot of the same way where, you know, he's he's very reliable on third downs and stuff like that. Deshante's just Deshante, you know, he's been the same guy for, for a really long time. And, you know, then I think you're even seeing Sean Shaw kind of turn into a little bit of a jump ball type guy. We can throw the ball up to him and, uh, you know, with his six foot six frame and, and let him go and get it. And it's it's where you've got a bunch of guys who are really good at particular things and, you know, can do a couple of different things. But, you know, more often than not, you really just kind of need to rely on them doing like what they do really well, rather than needing one guy to be like your do it all type, uh, you know, Mr. Every. Mr. Everything for you. And uh, I think that's what's really made this passing offense so much more uh, dangerous is just that on any given down, you d- you can't stand there and think like, OK, well, at the end of the day, we know that probably the first read is going to be this guy. You know, it's, it's like there can be, uh, he can, Brock can really st- look at what you know the actual play is, and not have to rely on looking to one particular person, or re- really having the offense built around one guy. You know that all of these different guys are really capable of making plays, and, and it can really keep a defense on its toes.
1: Yeah, and I, I haven't watched the game back yet, but um, and maybe people are starting to really enjoy calling me out when I get stuff wrong, which is awesome because. Uh, need to be called out if i do but what i saw in the game live was after kohler made that that second touchdown catch and and had his his three for 79 uh tech shifted and started bracketing and double teaming kohler when he was in the game and that opened up passes to deshante and petway uh, on the outside and running into uh complimenting the routes that that Kohler was running. Cause I'm sure that the staff caught that, but, but tech made an adjustment to Kohler as who I think is becoming the identified, if we're going to stop one of these guys, let's stop him because he, he cuts us deep when, um, when he, he makes those big plays, especially down inside the, um, the 30, 35 going in, um, uh, so I saw that adjustment by Tech, and then I saw Iowa State just pivot around it instead of forcing the ball uh, in like they, they've done some in the past, both the quarterback and the coordinators. Uh, they just pivoted right around it uh, and then had capable playmakers. You know, Petway should have had an additional touchdown, an mm-hmm. additional 62 yards. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how that got nullified uh, watching it back, but um, – but, he was that that was that was kind of important for me to see him do that because because he's he is he's a big dude uh he's very stout um you know built like a big running back really uh and he has more breakaway speed than what we've seen him utilized with and i thought that was an example of that that if 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 he does get the ball in space he's a real threat to run with it just like milton and jones are, and um, I thought that was pretty neat. The other thing that's, that's interesting to me is, is how many back-shoulder 50-50 balls have you seen this year?
0: I can't think of one.
1: I can't either. Um, a couple may have may come close, but we haven't seen it in the way that we, we saw it with Lazard and Butler. Uh, I'm not sure that's out of the offense. Uh, I think they're just waiting on the guy, and I think that's either Shaw or Skates. Uh, to get to the point that they trust him on both the throw and, and the route, and uh, I think we're getting there. I think over the next next few ball games, that's going to make an appearance again uh, and be an exciting thing. Though they, it's not like they need it because uh, we're not struggling for downfield right. yardage uh, at this point on offense. But but I think that that'll that'll pop back in at some point.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the thing with Petway. I just I. It was annoying to me because they they were so inconsistent with re- what they were calling that in the secondary. You know, you think back, Irish uh, State did draw one where once you saw it again, you're kind of like, man, I don't uh, you know, I don't know if that was yeah. I, I'm not too sure about that one. And then on the next drive, there was one that I thought was pretty clearly that pretty clearly was pass interference and they didn't call it. And then uh, and then they call that one on Petway. And I'm like, man, this is about like the NFL out here. Like, what what are we doing? You know, the, the, there's no clear, nobody knows what the heck's going on. And now it's, it looks like these guys are just, you know, guessing on what they think they see rather than what they're actually seeing.
1: Yeah, they. they I, I've, I've learned over many years, it's taken me a long time. You almost have to go to therapy to get there. Um, <laughs> to uh, kind of just let pass interference and, and official calls go and, Find other points of the game to, to focus on or, or of the play. Sometimes I think officials get to a position; I mean, they're just as human as anybody else. Where they make two inconsistent calls, and then trying to uh, rectify themselves or become more consistent, they just right. uh, uh, you know ramp up the delta a little bit. I think that's kind of kind of got out of control a little bit for them. They weren't, you know, I feel like the the column. Kyle in the end zone uh, that set mm-hmm. up a touchdown with a very questionable pass interference call. Um, the call on, didn't Johnson have one on Vasher? In yeah. The end zone two, yeah, I think he set did. Set up a big first down and, and set up another touchdown down for Tech. Now, now Johnson never turned around, clearly contacted him, uh, but I've also seen a, a 50-50 ball um, that not be, be called interference as well. But I think they that one on Iowa State on Shaw was kind of weird. And uh, I think they just got into a position that they they couldn't really get them, a hole they couldn't get themselves out of. They either had to kind of let everything go or start calling everything. And they chose to kind of call it tight. But um, I'd like to see just in the game in general, it's so hard. It's such a mess, you know, in in both both of the upper levels of football uh, on how you – how you call it, at some point you got to recognize, is that ball a 50-50 ball? that ball a 50-50 ball? The 50% of it belongs to the offense, the 50% belongs to the defense. And uh, even though it may prejudice Iowa State at times, I would like to see that skew a little bit more towards the defense um, just because I think it's a hard job to be covering somebody one-on-one right. on the field with the ball in the air. And right. I'd like them to be given a little bit more, more leeway there. But we'll see. Ultimately, it didn't.
0: didn't matter. The biggest
1: point in all of that, well, well that that's the biggest point, isn't it? Uh, it Maybe the biggest point of the whole game is there were enough calls, pro and con in that game where we've both sat through lots of Iowa State mm-hmm. games and Iowa State just could not under overcome that loss in that margin category. Uh, it, it affected the game, but it certainly didn't um, – stymie stifle or become something a hurdle that iowa state could overcome they still won comfortably uh with those factors present and that's that's significant growth to me um with that team we talk about they have to win in the margins to win and that's absolutely true but they lost some key margin categories to texas tech and still came away with a comfortable win that's growth that's when you start to know that's when, when the coaching staff and everybody starts to get that feeling like, yeah, we might have something here, uh, is when you actually lose one of those margin categories and you overcome it and just uh, put a beat down on regardless. And I'm not sure yet, not ready to just completely jump on the board, but I feel like that's kind of where they're floating right now.
0: You transitioned me into something else, man, and I was going to wait until the end of the segment yeah. to, to bring it up, but – we got to figure out the kicker deal. This is this is not good. This is not a good situation right now. Something's got to something got to get figured out.
1: Man, there's a reason I never write about kicking <laughs> because I just don't know. Um, yeah, you know, uh, maybe we need to just get us a toe puncher in there and uh, take one step
2: right. and straight
1: on and see if they can get it down down the uprights. It's mental. I mean, kicking is a mental. Thing and kickers are mental players and um, there's, there's nothing physical as far as not having the leg to get the ball uh, where they need to get it. It's just mental. It was, it was so predictable. Narveson pulls one and he comes back and pushes the other. It's kind of like golf. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I stink at golf. Always have. Most people do. Uh, but you, you get the same shot and you try to hit it twice and it doesn't go. One goes right and one goes left. Uh, so you just pray to someday be able to hit a perfect straight ball and probably can remember every one that you hit. Uh, sometimes I feel like kicking is, is the same, and you got to find a guy uh, that's as mentally strong as, as the solid golfers we see or know uh, on a daily basis. I don't know how to figure it out in the middle of a season like this. Uh, one of those guys is just going to absolutely have to step up.
2: Yeah, And
1: um, I'm not sure what the motivational triggers are, But but that's kind of like, kind of like the scene in the natural, you know, where they have that the little guy and uh, Roy Hobbs walks Mm -hmm. out. He's like, you know, losing is a disease. Um, It's kind of like that. You gotta gotta get somebody um, into their heads and get them uh, some modicum of of consistency. I think the smart move right now is to go back to Asali and just say, all right, man. You've been in the doghouse here uh, for a little bit. Uh, Let's get you back going, and we'll put our full faith and credit behind you, and uh, get the job done for us, and see if that shot of confidence doesn't just uh, get us at least back to to his inconsistent baseline.
0: Yeah, and it it, you know I was doing the instant reaction podcast on Saturday, and um, someone was you know commenting in the Facebook about about the kickers. And, you know, it brought back a conversation that you and I had. I can't remember if it was, I can't remember if it was this last summer or if it was, you know, the summer of 20, or what year is it now? 2018, I guess, before last season, <laughs> where you said to me that you felt like the, the kickers at some point were going to come back and, and essentially be the reason Iowa State would lose a game, where they'd really, that situation would really kind of bite them in the butt. And I, I think it yeah, might have been last happened. year. Yeah, so I think it might have been last year. But that came back to my mind again, because when you look at this schedule they've got coming up, whether it be this weekend against Oklahoma State on the road next week or in two weeks in Norman, and then obviously in the game against the Texas Longhorns back in Ames, one of those feels like it could be swung on the kickers. And I just I do not trust those guys right now, you know, and I did trust Asali a little bit, but, you know, he went out there and missed that extra point on Saturday. He's been really consistent there. But man, uh, something's got to get figured out because it it really feels like that could be a thing that in the future a game really teeters on, and it nearly did on Saturday, and it would have if it hadn't been, uh, you know, for the fact that they were able to, you know, get out and, you know, if if they had if that fumble had counted, the one that that Texas Tech was able to take for a touchdown, yeah, if if elbow hadn't been down and they take that for a touchdown, we would have been sitting there thinking, man, those seven points that we lost from the kickers would really be nice right now.
1: Right, right. I, you are absolutely right. And when you the the best phrase that you had that was was when you said you don't trust them right now. No one else does either.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's not just talking about fans. I'm talking about inside the room, inside the building. Uh, it's 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 such a public position, right? You, everybody's staring at you. Um, again, to use the golf analogy, you're standing over the 3 foot putt. Platen- Everybody's waiting with, with bated breath. so so it's very obvious and it's a very emotional um, event for the entire team, not just for the kickers. Um, I don't know that well, I'm confident that Coach Campbell doesn't trust any of them right right now. And that he might say down. he
0: does, but I don't so, think he does.
1: No, I, I, I feel pretty confident. Uh, regardless of what he says, uh, but that he doesn't, yeah. um, doesn't trust either one of them. That's why he's been searching for the last three weeks, mm-hmm. um, the two weeks in particular, because something's going on behind the scenes that we're not seeing. That's caused that, that distrust. And man, when you start to put that back in the box, it's hard, but somewhere they have to, uh, um, organizationally from the top down, uh, put their confidence in their full faith, um, into someone you know the Georgia guy missed the kick to get them beat by uh, South Carolina right mm-hmm. and he missed it bad now that guy had made everything prior to that so it makes sense that oh man the guy let us down here but we're going to put our faith in him come on and rally Iowa State doesn't have that luxury but they've got to figure that out because you're right it threatens a game uh, and any tight game in Iowa State does not play in games that are not tight uh, you know 10 points one way or the other is about as wide a margin as, as you ever see out of this team because of the way they play and the type of athletes they have. Um, so, so those kicks matter significantly, but I'll give you a, just a little bit of hope or what I, I may be a fool for saying this, but one of the reasons it was more important last year and the year before than it is this year is Again, this is kind of a margin thing, but it's the play of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Now, it may sound stupid to say that those two things are linked, but where your offensive line struggles to be a physical match for the other other team or even physically dominant in certain plays and certain circumstances, then, then yes, you're going to be in a lot of field goal situations, first of all, um, as you struggle to get the ball down the field. Or, uh, or, let me say it this way: You're going to be in scoring range less than what you are if your offensive line is playing well and able to uh, move people physically and create opportunities in the in the run game. Iowa State's offensive line has played increasingly well, uh, and they started with a solid baseline this season. They're, we are beginning to see plays which we saw Saturday and the week before. I know Bryce Hall is getting all the laudits for it, and he deserves them. But we're beginning to see periods of physical dominance where in each drive we can count on at least one, two, maybe three plays where they're going to be blocked well and finished well. And that puts Iowa State, that gives you more opportunities to score both touchdowns and field goals, uh, which means those field goals have marginally less importance and also gives you more confidence about late drives and important plays to get first downs and move the ball into a range uh, where where scoring should be uh, expected. So I think because of the offensive line play, the importance of that kicker is a little bit less. That doesn't mean we're not going to have a close game uh, in an attempt for an upset or someone's attempting to upset us. It just means that that margin widens a little bit There could be extra opportunities where we can absorb a miss a game and be okay. And um, that's that's kind of my hope and maybe why I'm not screaming about it right now.
0: And another thing that gives me hope that that's not going to matter too much is, and this statistic is crazy to me, in conference play, Iowa State is 15 of 16 in the red zone with 15 touchdowns. So... When the, when the offense continues to put the ball in the end zone, you don't got to worry too much about the kickers. So that, that makes me feel a little that, bit better.
1: That, that stat supports what I'm saying There is When you're getting there and you're getting there more consistently. The other thing is, who has stopped Iowa State between the 20s and the 20s?
0: Nobody. Almost no one. Yeah.
1: They get across. They have won. Their field position, position advanced metrics are really pretty astounding. Um, and they're they're able to flip the field on almost every offensive possession, uh, getting to the 45, to the 50, to the 45, before they have to punt. We haven't seen very many punts from deep in their own own zone. Uh, that three and out statistic is huge in that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so because they're so efficient in getting field position flipped, that means they're getting into positions to score more and then – where they had a little bit of trouble in the red zone in the first three games, these last three games, uh, or four games, really, um, that that's flipped back to the Iowa state way, which is being very, very efficient inside the 20 and, uh, really inside the 30, uh, their, their threat to, to score six instead of three there. And that, that those two statistics really back up what I, what I'm saying and why, why I think, matt campbell was confident enough to mess with it at all by putting narvison in um was based on on that dynamic of his team now it's backfired a little bit because now you got a mess uh where you might not have had one before but um we'll, we'll see but but there are there are signs there now there are difficult defenses coming up on the on the schedule as well um to to play against where that that explosion may not be quite as uh, pronounced but but if they keep flipping the field they keep getting first downs, they keep avoiding three and outs and a lot of that is due to offensive line play if that keeps happening then i think this kicker thing becomes just a side note and what could have been with regard to margins as opposed to uh, deciding wins and losses
0: and the the last thing here i've got on the offense and you know obviously one of Probably the biggest benefactor of that improved offensive line play. You mentioned him earlier. That's Brees Hall. Uh, 256 yards of all, or all 20, 256 all-purpose yards on Saturday, the most by any true freshman in college football so far this season. 183 yards on 19 carries and two touchdowns. The 61-yard catch that he had where he made a one-handed catch on the sideline and then was able to kind of weave his way down the field. Uh, as as well as the seventy five yard touchdown run that he had, both of those were. I don't. I mean, I think you can only describe them as special plays. Those are the kind of things that we have not seen from the running back position at Iowa State in a while, where you have the the ability to be a, a breakaway guy and, and take one of the house. Because you know, as as much as I know, we both love David Montgomery, he just did not have that, and this kid does. He's he's the real deal. I,
1: mean, I think David's longest run was less than 40 yards
0: yeah that was a long maybe that 75 yard run was the longest run they'd had since the 2015 Kansas State game
1: yeah so so that explosion I think we most of us who follow real closely thought that Kene would be the guy that would get that play this year mm-hmm. and unfortunately he's been nicked up because I think that's a reasonable expect- expectation I did not know uh, watching film, and and you know, but way back when we talked about the recruiting class, that I was pretty pumped up about what Hall brought to the table. Um, but I did not see that long speed, and that long speed is is a, a thing that that is is difficult to to uh, account for. I mean, we see it with Chuba Hubbard, right? And we're going to see it this weekend. Uh, you give him just enough space, and he's gone. And uh, now he comes in with accolades as a world-class sprinter. Uh, Brees Hall doesn't, but he certainly has the same type of capability because he outran the angles on that 75-yarder. And that, uh, you know, he just looked like he ran out of gas a little bit on the on the pass play. Mm -hmm. But uh, otherwise, he might have made that an 80-yard touchdown. But that that type of explosion. Now the second part of that and the more detailed part of that, that Jeff's probably better talk about than myself um is 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 big. and this is a text conversation Jeff and I had and uh you were a part of that as well this weekend we opened the window to our insanity. Uh I enjoy it. <laughs> but uh um one of the things that he is doing and, and Jeff's comment to me was he is seeing it so well and I think he talked about that last week uh on the on the pod as well but his vision is is really what's impressive. The long speed is awesome. His strength is really pretty impressive. Uh, we didn't see that in the first first part of the season, but but we're seeing um, a guy not just finish runs. You better not try to arm tackle him because I haven't seen an arm tackle bring him down in the last two games. Uh, and the, the the last touchdown run he had kind of showed that as he. he kind of ran and twisted through an arm tackle and, and then exploded for the 35 yarder. But, uh, when I'm talking about the vision, if you just think back on that 75 yard, that was just that quick toss play, which is a great play which state runs it. It was very effective for David as well. He gets out on the side and the way they block that, they bring the, the F back around the first level to the second level and they bring the tackle around the first level to the third level and they they create kind of an upfield wall uh, and they hope to freeze and, and give the running back the opportunity to run past the first level defender who's going to be slower than that linebacker or safety that's coming down. So they executed it well, got bodies. Meeker did a great job. I think Sainer was, was over there, did a great job walling it off. But there were multiple options and there was only a small window of space there uh, for Brees to, to sneak through. And he did so expertly because... When he did it, he was pressing to the sideline, but he pressed the outside hole to the inside to give himself space to deliver that stiff arm and still stay in bounds and be able to move it up the field for, for a big play. That's a special technique. That's, that's seeing the play develop and understanding the route that you have to take uh, in order to maximize the game. Uh, what, I, what I wrote about last week was that how he sets his vision and runs to the goal line on every play, regardless of where he's at. And that's, that's how you finish runs. Uh, but it's also how you position yourself and the hole that you're looking for. You're not looking for a 15-yard gain. The guy looking for a 15-yard gain sees what's right in front of him, presses to the sideline and takes and gets bounced out on the sidelines and is happy with his 15-yard gain. That's not the way Breeze Hall runs. Breeze Hall ran, pressed it to the inside, not to cut back and be physical, but to create enough space and margin for him to be able to make the determined move and move up for a 75-yard run. I think if you slow that down when you watch it back and kind of see what I'm talking about, how he created that space with just a, a simple step, it really, Jeff talks a lot about how when you, when you run on those angles, you, you, you run to where the hole will be versus where the hole is that you see uh, because everybody's in motion, right? So if I'm pushing out, I've got to press out on that hole and then cut sharp and tight almost hip to hip off the butt of that defender that I'm using the block of. And, and Brees Hall does that on every play. Every opportunity he stays tight to his blocks – which creates margin and space away from potential pursuers and tacklers, and gives him the space to determin- determinedly run uh, vertically towards, towards the goal line. And because of his strength and speed, it amplifies the very mature vision that he utilizes when he runs. And that's why we're calling him special. That's why Jeff and I text each other and say, yeah, something here it'll be simple words that'll mean a lot to us it'll say you know wow what vision wow he's seeing it and then the second i know i'm just groaning on here but i get no, excited not. about him the second um second thing i see is there's a there's a two-pronged uh, effect there so this summer at big 12 media days i spent some off the record time talking with josh knepel and uh, who's having just a wonderful season by the way uh and it's such a key part of of what's going on with the offensive line uh and he was talking about or we were talking about you know blocking for different running back styles and and he was talking about how he gets excited to block for different types of running back styles and that it's not just one thing all the time or uh how it motivates him as a lineman to put himself in the right positions to see that running back succeed so when you have two games like brees hall has had and he exhibits the characteristics meaning he sees the hole that the offensive line has created you bet your bottom dollar that matters to those offensive linemen they get motivated if there's an extra half inch of uh, leverage or power for them to get to get that hole because they know he's going to exploit it for a big game then, then they'll make that effort, and I think you're starting to see kind of a hand and glove effect with Brees Hall and the offensive line uh, that we haven't been able to establish in the last couple of years.
0: Absolutely, man. All right, we'll talk about the Iowa State defense and look a little bit at Oklahoma State when we come back on football and random things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Welcome back to football and random things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Jeff is down south in uh, the land of peaches in Georgia. So we are joined by Jay Jordan this week. All right, let's talk about the Iowa State defense. Um, I think that there's some, I think there's some positives, some negatives, things that you can take away that, you know, maybe need to be worked on a little bit here going forward. But, uh, you know, all around, we're able to obviously do enough to to be able to Get out with a win. What were what were kind of your overall impressions of the defense on Saturday?
1: The defense is not perfect. Um, there are limitations. The style that we play, the af- overall athleticism and depth of the defense is continues to astound me every week. I don't know if it does you too. Yeah, but I mean. I don't have the numbers. Maybe you've got the numbers there. How many different defensive backs have we played?
0: Okay. Uh, I don't know if I printed off the participation chart, but I can at least tell you how many different ones made tackles. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, 9, 10, 11. I think that's it. 11 different defensive okay. backs.
1: 11, five positions. 11 different players made tackles. Okay, that that's a great example of what I'm talking about. We've seen Keontae Jones, Arnold DeZuno, Richard Bowens, DJ Miller. Um, Tavon Kyle. Braxton Lewis, Lawrence White, Tavon Kyle, um, Daytron Young. Bickham. Anthony Johnson. Yeah. Greg Eyesworth, Um, Who am I missing?
0: Bickham. Uh, Bickham. Uh, yeah, Kamani yeah, King Bickham. played a little bit on Saturday.
1: Kamani. K- 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 Kamani King's been in there. Um,
0: man, there's almost so many. I can't even think of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeteris Grant played a little bit.
1: Okay. So all those names, all those names, uh, and there's still depth behind that.
0: Yeah. And I think what, one of them, one or two of them are seniors that we listed out.
1: That's right. (laughs) Most of those guys are very young or or very young and they're, they're playing. Yeah. Um, there that's that's not necessarily a great thing it could be because we're searching to find somebody uh the secondary is not a place where like like you always think about in terms of defensive line rotation let's keep fresh big guys up there right you don't think about that as much in the secondary because those guys are conditioned and uh generally there's one or two that that are great which we have anthony johnson and greg Eisworth aren't going to leave and lawrence white aren't leaving the field they're going to play um if they're if they're healthy enough to do so, because they're they're good. Um, you know, Dayton Young has has struggled at times, or maybe not just not been the factor. So you see his position get rotated. That's where you see Tavon Kyle and Keontae Jones and a couple of other guys uh, move in in that corner, and then the safeties, uh, Braxton Lewis, who played just about every down last year, and and is very effective whenever he's in there. Uh, you know, it was a little bit due to injury, but, but he's a rotational player at this point because we've got guys stepping up and, and playing solidly. So, is it kind of like the same depth we talk about at linebacker? Mm-hmm. Uh, Though we see the same guys at linebacker, rightfully so, um, each week. That's not the case with the secondary. So, it, it's really interesting to me in that depth, but that depth creates some vulnerabilities. So, kind of get take that all the way back to the the vulnerabilities of the defense and how the defense played the defense played great there's a reason texas tech decided and stuck with the uh, that short passing game the quick screen and the uh, bubble screen and the, the very short quick passing game number one they didn't trust Jet duffy to throw the ball deep against the structure of the coverage uh, they knew they would get in trouble and there might be turnovers there. So that would be the first reason they chose that. Number two, there's a vulnerability there. Iowa State plays to stop the big play, period. They do. They have not given up a single play this entire year of 50 yards or more. They've given up you know, several of 20, a lot of 10s, uh, a few 30s and 40s, but they haven't given up a play, uh, an explosion play uh, that exceeds 50 yards the entire year. Why? Because they're structured to do that. Uh, and they started tackling better uh, in front of them, but they keep the game in front of them. So Texas Tech took advantage of what was there. They were pretty effective at doing it, but they were doing it for a reason. They were doing it so that they could draw the defense up so that you would start to jump those routes. And as soon as you got those routes jumped, they'd run somebody over the top. And that makes sense because Basher's a great player. And I'd run Basher over the top after hitting short. uh That makes very logical sense. So they were trying to compress the defense and bring them up. But with all those guys playing, Iowa State still in the secondary stayed disciplined enough to just sit there and do what they do. Nobody – you know how they adjusted? This is fascinating to me. He's the, the tech killer. But instead of having the secondary start to jump those routes to try to put pressure or horizontal pressure on them, Marcel Spears ran sideline to sideline out of his mind all day long. Right. And so Iowa State adjusted by not compromising their deep coverage and instead blowing their uh linebackers back and forth to run that stuff down.
0: That had to have been Marcel's best That's game of the year, right? Wouldn't when, when you say oh, yeah. yeah, twelve tackles, he eleven solo, tackle for loss and a pass we've breakup. Talked,
1: yeah, we've talked a ton about um, rose and um vance this year uh at that linebacker position marcel has had some really good games uh he's he's taken it up even another notch from where he was last year and uh yeah saturday was just just fabulous because it was basically his job to get out to the flat and pursue with more vigor he had they i feel like somebody on the sideline probably grabbed him and said you've got to stop this and he went out there to do it, and he did a great job at it. But that allowed the secondary to stay strong. And at, at one point when Tech actually started moving the ball, they did two things. They they just gave in and said, we're not getting the over-the-top, so we're just going to move the ball by dinking and dunking here. And then they just committed to it, which is effective and good. Uh, and they moved the ball doing it. The other thing they did is, that's Roderick Thompson guys, a really good running back. But uh, Tech also has a very good offensive line. And Iowa State, if they have one flaw in the run run game, it is stopping um, that off-tackle run. That You can either do it by running outside zone or uh, a pin and pull or a power or something like that. Uh, but Iowa State plays their defensive end uh, oftentimes in a four-tech, which means it's going to be the defensive end's outside eye lined up on the tackle's inside eye. So he's going to give away that right shoulder um, uh, to that tackle, and if that tackle's any good, uh, he's going to have a better opportunity by alignment to pin him and create a seam there on the outside if they can get a decent lead block <clears throat> or get up to the, to the second level and the chip on the linebacker. And you saw that. That's where they started getting the leverage in the the running game. Tech did a really nice job, and that's a concern moving forward. Um, They're going to have to fight across the face and get off off those blocks if they're going to continue to play four-tech there, or they're going to have to move them out to a five, which is head up, or a seven, which is outside, and um, cover that or or scrape a linebacker and change their alignment there. But Iowa State has a tendency defensively to just kind of stick with what's working Especially when they're getting stressed a little bit, and uh, and to contain and wait for you to make that mistake, and Tech didn't really make that mistake, which is a good sign for Tech. Uh, they they were they did remain more patient than other teams usually do, and you didn't see Jet have um, or Duffy have a big uh, turnover or mm-hmm. force the ball somewhere. And they they played uh, they played to avoid that, but those two things were. Uh, that, that pin on the outside based on the alignment technique of Iowa State, that's been an issue for three years and very few teams pick up on it and do it. TCU's done it before. Tech did it in this game. Texas is really good uh, at pinning and so is Oklahoma and that's why you see Iowa State Defense at all and when you play in the big 12, if your defense is holding people uh, at that rate on a consistent basis, then you've got an opportunity to win every game and that, that's that's the beauty of this defense is that that they give you an opportunity to win every game.
0: Well, and I think too the thing that it that makes it so interesting is that and now especially with the way Iowa State's offense is able to play, you know there's a statistic it Iowa State's defense has not allowed a first quarter touchdown yet this season. But Iowa State has, has been able to score relatively well in the in the first quarter. To, I mean, they're like elite in the fourth quarter. But uh, it when you can get a jump out to a lead, especially like you could on Saturday where you get up 20 to nothing pretty quick, then as a defense, you can sit there and say, all right, if you want to throw it six yards every time, you know, go right on ahead and we'll watch that clock just wind. And they're like, if you want to go for a 20, uh, 20 play drive for that takes you 10 minutes, that's perfectly fine with us it gets us closer to getting on the bus and going home and uh that's like that's kind of what I think is so interesting about it now is it's just like you know they're they're kind of like all right well if you want to try and uh you know score with us you're gonna have to throw it over the top and play right into the hands of our defense or if you want to try and take what we're giving to you then it's going to take you forever to try and come back so it's up to you and that's what I think is so interesting about kind of the give and take of that whole scenario
1: yeah, and that plays into our discussion about depth, too, is not all defenses. A lot of defenses want to get off the field because they know if you get eight plays on them, they're going to get tired, and, uh, and they're going to give something up. Uh, if you're playing 12 guys in the five-position secondary and you're playing eight guys on the three-position defensive line, uh, your chances and your ability to do that and take that approach are amplified
0: definitely one of these years john haycock's going to get some love for the broyles award but i don't know when it's going to be maybe uh I, I don't know I feel like when you write those guys a letter or something even when i see the you know the uh like people put out their mid season semifinalists and stuff i'm like man how do you not mention john haycock with the way that he's been able to do his job the last couple of years but uh you know well, I, I don't think he even wants the recognition a yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Not, he doesn't he, want the he's recognition he's that either. type of guy but no
1: Somebody said uh, maybe it was Chris uh, that that said that he did some reaching out. He thinks somebody told him that that they believe that there's 20 to 25 teams mm-hmm. uh, emulating the the Iowa State method. And and this may switch gears a little bit into our last topic, but uh, you know the the greatest compliment is that Baylor, who is at seven to zero, is basically running Iowa State system. And certainly there there are changes and tweaks to it. But when I watched that Baylor game, I was like, you can to be kidding me! This is <laughs> we're playing, in a, you know, we're playing in a mirror here uh, because they're playing the exact same way, the exact same system. They're trusting it in the exact same way, um, and they're doing it with not a high, not a mar- not a super high marginally better athlete, but athletes with Different skill sets. In particular, uh, they're fast. And uh, so it's having a great effect and has really, uh, really jumped Baylor way ahead of where I thought they would be uh, this season. And then surprisingly, uh, Brewer and Purdy are very, very similar players. And they're running an offense. They've got three backs and, and a couple of big guys at wide receiver they're running an offense that's not exactly the same, but kind of philosophically the same as what Iowa State does. And they're doing it just two points better. Right. Right. And, uh, that that's, that, that's the margin is, is the, is a preseason schedule and two points. Uh, and why that game was so frustrating was because, uh, you watched the team do what you do better than you did. And, uh, you know that leads us into the into the Big 12. Kansas tried that last year and got a guy fired, but um, uh, yeah. there, there's even elements elements at other schools, and it takes a pretty special defensive mind to match what um, what John Haycock has done. Because what he's his greatest strength, I, I think, planning of the defense is a collective effort of both the offensive and defensive staff there but um on a play calling basis he's he's one of the best play callers i mean how many times does iowa state make a timely play call right especially when things seem to be getting a little bit out of control and then it gets dialed back in because of an adjustment the play calling that he makes and uh he's truly one of the one of the best in the country at that
0: yeah and it's funny because there was one day when we were at interviews where you know, they were asking him, we were asking him something about maybe third downs or something like that. And then, you know, he kind of like casually threw in there like uh, he's like, and you know, and the play caller probably got to make some better play calls, too. And I'm sitting there like, man, I think you've built up enough goodwill at this point to, you know, make a couple a couple bad play calls every once in a while. I think you'll be OK. Uh, but it was just <laughs> that, the, that, what, like how casually sure. he threw it in. It was really funny.
1: Yeah. I, uh, and and he's, he's, he's really good at it. I, I want to address that just real quick if I can.
0: Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah.
1: 10 minutes for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, third down. So it's, it's we, we always hear the, the phrase regression to the mean or, pro, or progress into the mean. Uh, you know, it's baseball. Very often somebody has a bad April, but they're going to get hot at some point and everything's going to kind of balance out to a true norm. For a certain player, uh, I think the same is true with with this defense. The third down issues in the beginning of the season were pronounced this year. They were pronounced last year. They were pronounced the year before. Uh, but they always end up at kind of a forty percent rate, which means they're they're not top of the of the nation uh, in their down conversion percentage, uh, but they're also not near the bottom. And, and at that rate, they can force a lot of punts and, and field position uh in their favor but the key on third down defense and this is this has been something i've, I've just I've been focused on this year uh more than anything else no matter what defense you're running is tackling most offensive coordinators do not play beyond the chains uh, now lincoln riley does and that's why they average nine and a half year hard to play uh, which no one else comes close to but uh, most offensive coordinators do not play beyond the chains they play behind the chains which means you're calling plays that if blocked or run correctly executed at its highest level get you beyond the chains or but they don't threaten or create risk that playing beyond the chains does which is an incompletion or, or a turnover um, they want to keep the ball moving so on third down very often don't we get frustrated when somebody catches the ball behind the chains and they're one yard short, mm-hmm. uh, and that happens over and over again. So Iowa State exploits that, the, and lots of defenses do. The key is tackling. If somebody's going to play behind the chains, and we punish that by tackling them, them where they get the ball, and we don't allow them to run or break a tackle and get a first down. And in the first three games of this season, Iowa State missed a lot of tackles uh, on third down. Sometimes it was one, sometimes it was two, and that's all it took for somebody to step past the sticks. Uh, They're catching the ball close to the sticks, break a tackle, you've got a first down. That has been shored up, and Iowa State is tackling very well right now uh, in the secondary, and that's why we see third down become uh, a little bit more of a weapon for us uh, as opposed to the liability it has been. All
0: right, let's, yeah, you you mentioned a little bit before. Let's talk a little bit about the Big 12 uh we were texting last week about uh the uh lesses uh, or miles to go i think is the name of the the show on uh on espn plus um you know making some jokes about kansas and and less miles and stuff and then the dude goes into austin texas and comes two points away from upsetting tom herman and the longhorns and I want to know what you think. Is this because Texas' defense is really, really bad, which the statistics, I think, would kind of lend to? Or did Kansas actually figure something out, and are they, uh, are they the real deal, you know, capable of putting up 48 points on uh, any given night?
1: I don't think. Uh, it's a little bit of both. You know there's always that team to play, and mm-hmm. Kansas is clearly that team for Texas. Um, so... I, I don't know what, what type of force in the universe creates that, but but that's clearly true. Now, we've also seen Kansas, though, this year, go put up 40-something on Boston College, mm-hmm. at Boston College, and come away with a win um, that no one expected. Uh, this is their first game with a new offensive coordinator um, who they brought in specifically. This is Intel from the show. um, they just had one little little blurb on it, but Les Miles said that he's he's plugged into the RPO system, which is where they need to be and what fits their talent and um,
0: isn't this the third offensive coordinator they've had since he got there because didn't the, yeah, the first guy they fired left six days. yeah that's what I thought I was, I, was <laughs> I, I thought that was the third one they'd had
1: he went and took the uh, head head coaching job at Troy yeah okay so, yeah uh, he he went from OC at Kansas to head coach at Troy, and then he brought in kind of a long, long-time buddy, old-school guy, and then uh, has now promoted the. Can't remember what Dearman was coaching. I think he was coaching um, quarterbacks or receivers, and uh, bumped him up. He has a good, good track record. Really energetic guy, um, and he's probably made them better. Now, are they 48 points a game better? No, um, but. They they are better at that. Les Miles is such an enigma, always has been. That's no surprise. I've just never been exposed to him uh, very much. And through watching that show, God, he's a he's a odd dude, hard to figure out. But I don't think anybody can question that he knows football, and he's getting an awful lot out of a depleted roster. And and are they? And, are they going to pull a, an upset? Maybe. Um, are they going to make people think every week? Absolutely. They're not the they're not the given uh, that everybody I think is has tagged them at. So our boy Brandon Alba might have been on to something. As much as it pains us to say that. Don't say
0: that. Uh-huh. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. They're not
1: they're not six they're not six wins or bowl eligible, uh, but. But they are uh, they are better than, than we've given them credit for, and they've always had a little bit of talent. They put guys into the NFL. Carter Stanley's been there forever. Um, they've got a little bit of talent at receiver, and obviously Puka Williams is a man. That guy's good, and uh, finding a way to use him more effectively, which is what they did Saturday, is good. Now the other flip side of that is, is what is the state of Texas' defense, and that's its own own podcast. Um, Cotter Lando has been extremely suge- uh, successful and has had my respect um, as maybe the best defensive coordinator in the conference. But uh, he is searching and struggling, and that is in no small part due to all the injuries that they have, uh, which makes, makes things very difficult. But even before the injuries happened, uh, I think he struggled to uh, to do and he takes a ton of risks and uh, continues to get burned by them so we'll see how they dial it up over the balance of the season here Uh, they clearly have talent but but they're they're a bit of a mess schematically
0: yeah I mean I was I was sitting there right towards the end of the game and you know Kansas goes on its last drive and they score a touchdown where the tight end was basically in the end zone without anybody within like 10 yards of him And I'm sitting there thinking like, this is like the most important play of the game. And they literally just let someone run past them. That's a little problematic. And then on the two point conversion, they did the same thing. And there's like three yards of space that you have to cover. So I was just like, how does this happen? Like, how does that happen twice in a row? And, you know, I think, yeah, obviously the injuries and stuff play a, a, a role in that. But it was just one of those deals where I was sitting there like, man, I don't think these guys have any idea what they're doing, like or what they're supposed to be doing at this point, because they just they're just letting people kind of run by them and uh, uh, and and just kind of run around, uh, you know, wide open. And and that's but a, I mean, it's I guess that's better than getting embarrassed by C D Lamb. So maybe they're just trying to you know kind of counteract that. They'd rather get uh, just let somebody run wide open than made to look like a fool because they can't tackle him.
1: <laughs> the uh, that that's a really delicate balance a coach is how do you um, when you're faced with that type of dilemma do you try to scheme over deficiencies or do you try to play simple and more conservative than maybe what your tendency is in order to uh, cover those deficiencies and some of the Iowa State defensive coordinators have battled forever unsuccessfully in that. and I wonder if if Orlando isn't the where he kind of ramped up the complication and put burdens on certain players to try to cover for deficiencies in others and has just gotten exposed in a very good offensive league uh, for doing that as opposed to taking a more Iowa State slash Baylor uh, type approach where, uh, okay, we're going to simplify against us. It's a, it's a A big, big dose of, but um, we'll see how that works out as long as you don't get it before we play.
0: Yeah. All right. Last thing Oklahoma State coming off of a, a game where they had a, I think, a 10 point lead at halftime and then uh, just got absolutely destroyed in the second half in still water by Baylor. Uh, w- you know, what? what do you expect us to see from Oklahoma State? coming into Ames this weekend, and and how are you feeling about that one at this point? I think Iowa State's up to a 10.5-point favorite now after opening as a uh, 7-point favorite.
1: Uh, Man, uh, these two teams, it doesn't really matter who's what. They kind of play the same game every year, don't they?
2: Yeah, true. Uh,
1: It's going to be 45-42, to and uh, just one team's going to make a play at the end. Uh, It doesn't really matter what kind of lead you get out to. Or what the dynamics are, that's kinda of where it ends up. Um, they have the potential, probably more so than any other team outside of Oklahoma, to exploit Iowa State's defense because Chuba Purdy's a fantastic runner. Uh great. Chuba, Chuba Hubbard
0: Hubbard, not Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. What
1: not not Brock's brother? Um,
0: he'll be he'll be doing big things for Scott Satterfield down at uh Louisville though.
1: I am truly getting old. That was, that was a senior moment. No, you're good. Um, uh, but, but Hubbard, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a threat. And Gosh, has anybody held him under 180 yards?
0: I don't think I don't so. I think so. Yeah. Uh,
1: so I think you have to expect that's going to be on the table. I think you have to expect they're going to find some space for Tylen Wallace and Sanders is probably going to get, uh, some yards with his legs. Um, I think they're they're difficult out. They're reeling a little bit um, defensively. They just can't quite put it together. They remind me of Tech in that they'll put together nice sequences, but they can't sustain it for the entire game, which has been their mo for five or six years under under Gundy so far, even with the new defensive coordinator. So I think what we'll see is a very competitive, probably explosive game uh, where Iowa State's defense. Causes a little bit of concern, uh, but ultimately, I think they're going to have um, a harder time dealing with the explosiveness of Iowa State's offense. And um, if it is high scoring, I think Iowa State can get enough points um, to to pull out a victory. It should. It's at home. Uh, they're a better football team uh, at this point, and Sanders is prone to make mistakes and if they can get to a position where, where Sanders makes a couple mistakes that'll create a margin but um, but it's by no means I don't think it'll be as easy a game to sit and watch like the last two have been.
0: alright buddy appreciate you taking some time to uh, to talk football with me before I head down to Kansas City and think about basketball for the next two days
1: well enjoy that I think there's a good season ahead uh, and that's worthwhile so thanks for giving me the opportunity and uh helping me fight through my senior
0: <laughs> absolutely yeah i'm not sure how interesting the next two days will be i think that it'll be especially wednesday will be uh will be the uh bill self show and the uh i think that there will be a can a lot of conversation about a uh, one four letter organization so i'm not too sh- too sure how that that day is gonna go but i guess we'll see you know uh but yeah of course man always love having you on and um you know, I look forward to uh, whatever you're going to have for, for us in, in writing form here this week as well.
1: All right, man. Take care. Yep,
0: you too. This is Jay Jordan, the Cyclone Fanatic football analyst, uh, one of my favorite guys to hop on here and do a podcast with. Thanks to uh, everybody for listening. We will talk to you guys again soon. We've been recording in the Carl Chevrolet studios, and I think the next thing coming up will be Title IX Tuesday morning, and then we'll have Stands and Fits Wednesday morning as well. So, so long, everybody. Have a great rest of your week.